Good morning. I heard today Kim told me that um, Miriam's lovely mum passed away this morning. And uh, she'd been rallying for, um, for quite some days. I thought she was going to go, and then she, she'd rally again. And, and, uh, but the, she and one of her daughters were around her bed yesterday, just worshipping God. And her mum was joining in. And I thought, please let someone be worshipping, singing praises to God when I'm in my last moments. Isn't that a great way to go? You know, his world is more real than this world. This is temporary. We already heard that in the beginning was the word. And he's there at the end. And everything in between. It's amazing. Let's pray together. Father, we just love your presence. We love it, Lord. You bring light to our life. You nourish us. We find healing and mercy and forgiveness. It is extraordinary, as people have been saying, Lord. And I just want to say, again, we're so thankful for all that you're doing at this time in our lives, Lord. We love you. Open our hearts to hear your word. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Ultimately, we reflect what dominates our hearts and our thinking. Some of us are good at masquerading, putting masks on, but whatever's dominating your hearts and minds eventually comes out. If you're fearful, you can keep it under wraps for a while. But when something happens, when the rubber hits the road, the fear comes out. If you're around people that are negative, I had a, an electrician come to my house. He was one of those that said, That's difficult. Oh, God, I'm not sure about that. I spent about two minutes with him. I thought, Get him out of my house. I cannot stand it any longer. Seriously. The next electrician came. I'm sure that's possible. I'm sure we can do that. Yep, I think that's doable. Who would you rather be around? I heard Bill Johnson say recently that hopelessness and hope are both contagious. Choose which culture you want to live in. Well, we're living in hope. His kingdom brings hope. His presence brings hope. What do you carry? What would you like to carry? Jesus is our model. He shows us how to live in every way. I know he's the son of God. 
But he lived life as a man, fully man, fully God. It's a mystery. But in his capacity, fully as man, he models how we're to live our lives in intimacy, walking with God. He demonstrates that it's possible, no matter what the storms, it's entirely possible to be without fear, to be walking close with him. So this talk is about disciples learning to rest. You might think that that's a contradiction in terms. It might be, but the Bible has a lot to say about rest. The New Testament talks about rest. It says the definition is to make, to cease, a cessation from toil, a time of refreshment, an intermission, stopping work. The Old Testament, interestingly, I think is more dynamic. It's a resting place, a place of stillness, calmness, repose, peace, a quiet place. I had a stab at making my own definition of the rest of God. A place of comfort and rest, full of peace and absence of fear. A quiet place where I am aware of the presence of God and his love for me. A place where I am restored. A safe place where I can be myself. A place where I don't have to perform or work to gain his approval or acceptance. A place where I hear his voice. A place where I'm confident of God's protection, his provision and my eternal destiny in him. You might think I did pretty well forming that definition. But Psalm 23 <laughs> says it all. <laughs> I just made it up. I found this, um, this passage in Jeremiah. When I say I found it, it was part of my daily readings this past week. It says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and a salt land which is not inhabited. In contrast, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, 
nor will cease from yielding fruit. Shrub in the desert, dry place where there's no life. Feel isolated, alone, dry and parched, arid, or a tree planted by waters. Not fearing when the heat comes. Whatever's happening, your leaf is green. You're producing fruit. Even if there's no rain, your roots go deep and you continue to be green and bear fruit. What do you prefer? Shrub or tree? Oh. Shrub or tree? What do you feel like right now? Are you a shrub <laughs> or a tree? I long to be a tree. Always. Let's look at Jesus, because he, as I said, he models what it's like for us. It's from Matthew 8. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be? that even the winds and the sea obey him. The disciples are experienced fishermen. They've done it all their lives. And they set off in a boat. And we've got boats from the times of Jesus that they've rescued from the mud. We know what they look like. They're about 20, 25 foot long, open, with a sail, And the storm gets up. It's not any old storm. It's a really heavy storm. And the waves cover the boat. I don't quite know how this works, but Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat, getting soaked. I can't quite get my head around that. The disciples realize, if it carries on, the boat's going to fill up with water and sink. It's a serious problem. <laughs> I used to have it said to me time and time again by my stepfather, worse things happen at sea. <laughs> and the reason is, is that the ship goes down. And you drown. And Jesus rises up. 
modeling something for us that in a real life storm, there's an absence of fear with him. Many of you know that I spoke recently about um, my brother, and he's here today, interestingly, which is really lovely. When he told us that he had leukemia, I thought, I'm not worried about this. God's got this. I don't want to portray myself as being someone without feelings. There are times that I panicked. But it's very different to the time that, or other times, where I've been told what is potentially bad news, where I've just been overwhelmed by fear. And I know where I want to be. I want to be the tree and not the shrub. On another time, Jesus had messengers come to him and they said, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is sick. Please come. Jesus said um, that it's not a sickness unto death. but it's for the glory of God. And he stays where he is for two days. And when he decides to go, one of the disciples said to him, hey Jesus, don't you remember, last time we were down in Judah, they nearly stoned you to death. Why would we be going there? When storms happen in our lives, quite often people can say things to us that are not helpful. In fact, they'll tell you what to do. Even your children tell you what to do. And there's a pressure to perform. And Jesus waited. And we know the story because we read the book. But they get there and they find Lazarus has been dead four days. Mary and Martha both say to him, Jesus, if you'd have been here, he would have been well. But he models something amazing. In perfect peace, he's in the perfect timing of God. And we know know the story. He raised Lazarus from the dead. But my point is, he's not being tossed to and fro by voices, clamoring for his attention, being a distraction to him. He's in perfect peace with the Father, perfectly at rest, and he operates out of that rest. He acts out of that rest. Providing an amazing model for us of how to live our lives when things happen. Things haven't happened yet in your life. They will. Bad things are going to happen. They will happen. 
as Christians, we're not protected from bad things ha- happening. But what we have is the Savior showing us how to live our lives and giving us a confidence and an assurance that he is with us. And did you notice in both those stories, Jesus is the solution. He is the solution to everything. He's the solution to the world's problems. He's the solution to North Korea. He's the solution to Donald Trump. He's the solution to the lack of food, to the ozone layer, to climate change. He has the solution. And we're in him. Before we look at what it is to enter into God's rest, the Bible has some things to say about stuff that will keep us out of that rest. Just want to look at some of these. There might be more. Complaining and grumbling. If you're a complainer and a grumbler, it's, you're a bit like the, the negative electrician. People will put up for a bit. But if you carry on complaining and grumbling, and I carry, speak to myself in this, people won't like being around you. <laughs> in the Old Testament, God had rescued his people, set them free from slavery and bondage from under the Egyptians. They were slaves making bricks out of straw and mud. Hard, hard labor for hundreds of years. The gospel is all about the exodus. We've been singing about it today, about the exodus. He set us free. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Well, the the, the Israelites got to the desert before entering into the promised land where God had said, you will enter into the promised land that I'm giving you. A land flowing with milk and honey, pomegranates, and everything that's good for life. And they didn't like being in the desert. So they complained. And their complaining and grumbling went along these lines. Let's get rid of the leader. We've had enough of him. And let's get another leader and go back to all that bondage and slavery. It doesn't make any sense. And it upset God. It upsets us when our children continually complain and moan that life isn't good enough. Stop complaining. I don't know what else to say. (laughs) Um, The next one. Unbelief. It says in in Hebrews um, that they 
that the word was not mixed with faith because of unbelief. The word of God that they were going to enter into the promised land because of unbelief. We have a choice about trusting in God and putting our faith in him. You want to be a shrub or a tree? If you want to be a tree, it involves faith. Can I just say as well, you know, that, you know the gospel talks about the road being narrow that leads to life and the road being broad that leads to destruction. The road that is narrow is through Jesus. But when you come to Jesus, we don't stay on that narrow road. In fact, there is more freedom and expanse in Jesus. There is more hope in Jesus than anything else that the world has got to offer. Anything. By far. Thousands of times over. You don't need much faith. In fact, the Gospels describe it like a little tiny mustard seed. You only need a little bit of faith. It only just needs a little step to say, Jesus, I don't get all this, but I'm going to choose to trust you in this. You take a step. Why do I do that? Pursuing worldly success. Here's another passage from Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Did you see that? Wisdom, power, and riches. That's what the world measures success by. How much wisdom have you got? Not against, by the way, these are not bad things. Wisdom, power, and riches. These are good things. They become bad when we put our faith and trust in them to meet our needs. When you're in a boat in the storm and the waves are crashing in, there's no amount of wisdom, power or riches that are helpful to you. He's looking for men and women, young men and women, of whatever age to understand him and to know him to be acquainted with his ways and to do them. That is the place of security and rest. He longs for relationship. The, the know him is being intimately acquainted with him. To become intimately acquainted with someone, you've got to spend time with them. I'm intimately acquainted with my wife, as she is with me. She knows me. She knows my foibles. She knows what it is to please me. 
which she does very well. And if I get too busy, she starts getting shaky because she wants to be with me. Last week, Mark gave that great word about the pearl of great price. The father longing to be with his children. He longs to be with you. He's not distant or remote. He's very clear, very near. He says, My sheep hear my voice and they know me. The issue for us is not him speaking or his voice. The issue for us are all the other voices that are clamoring for our attention. Do you know what I mean? Unforgiveness. There's no time to go through this. But if you're a bitter person holding on to unforgiveness, it keeps you from rest. In Matthew, it talks about someone who refuses to forgive being given over to the tormentors. Because it eats away, unforgiveness eats away inside of you. There is no rest in unforgiveness. There is a freedom beyond life's wildest dreams when you choose to forgive someone that's hurt you deeply. And Jesus, again, models that to us. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The exchange is all out of proportion but demonstrates the love and the mercy of God. Living under law, not under grace. I was really good at this. It is the most unpeaceful place to be on the face of the earth. When we, had, when we got news of our beloved son being killed in a motorbike accident, Kim and I, um, we were in Birmingham and we, we rushed back to, to London. It, it, it was like an explosion going off. The f even the quietest noise was loud. We were, we were so traumatized and in shock. And I wasn't in the place then, and we weren't then, that we are now. And the accuser came. You know, you know, the accuser's the devil. He accuses the brethren, the people of God, day and night. And the accusations were, Joel died because of your sin. Bluntly. 
Because we knew there were things in our life, in our past, that we were not proud of. And they just came. They came, they came right in front of our eyes and they became so real and we were so fearful that they just completely dominated our lives. We don't, he's died because, because of our sin. It was a complete lie. Total, utter, unadulterated lie. If you believe the lie, you empower it. And if you empower the lie, the devil will devour you like a lion. We've been singing wonderful songs of deliverance today. He took my chains. He ransomed me, my saviour, my redeemer. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. The initiative was all his. It wasn't me getting my life in order before he came and saved me. It's amazing. What Jesus prayed was amazing. It's true. We're children of God. And the legalist says, I have to earn it. I have to do something to deserve it. Hello? How's that working out for you? It's not a great place. You have a choice today. If you're struggling with legalism, you're not worthy. You know, guilt is to do with something that you did wrong. Shame is to do with who I am, that I am a flawed individual. Jesus took both on the cross. If you're in Christ, you're not flawed. You're a son of God. And another thing that came to me were regrets that I have. Things that if I could have my time again, I would steer clear of. Jesus died for them as well. Everything that's past, that's not of him, he died for. Don't let regrets hold you back. Give them, as Adam said, that we can cast our cares upon him for he cares for us. Give up your regrets today. Don't let them hold you back another day more. And the last one I've got is um, relentlessly working, not stopping. I don't have time now. There's a, there's a series of books called Emotionally Healthy by Peter Scazzaro. They are outstandingly good books. And he talks about a Sabbath rest. Not under law that we, you know, we come into a Sunday and that we don't do anything. But his Sabbath is about choosing to set aside time to be with God and to do things that are restful. 
So he might go for, he sets a time, a, a time every day to, to read the word of God, to ask God to speak to him, to reflect on it. Not just once, he'll do it two, three, four times a day. And he's found that as he does that, as he rests in God, so God takes over, starts to organize things, things start to fall into place. The stresses that he once encountered start to fall off. And once a week, he, he takes a day of rest. And that might be going for a walk, spending time with his wife and his children, enjoying some nice food. something completely different to his normal daily life. I've started playing golf, but that's not restful because it's so bad. (laughs) But it is great to be outside. Did you see Blue Planet 2 the other week? Where David Attenborough says, we've never been here before in the south... Atlantic Ocean and they've got this submarine that goes down by this iceberg he said we we don't know what we're going to find and they keep going down and it's black and black and black and they get down to the bottom and they turn on the lights and it's full of life and my brother pointed out to me which was so helpful to me why is it so colourful down there? Why is there all that colour in all that blackness when no one can see it? It's because we have a creator. It's because we have a creator. We have amazing views just out of our house, and even you haven't got to go very far to see the wonders of creation. You haven't got to go to the bottom of the Antarctic Ocean. It restores you to be with creation. And he talks about contemplating him. Time's running out. And I'd love to talk to you on another occasion about hearing his voice. You know, when you hear his voice... It makes me emotional right now. There is no value or price that you can put on hearing his voice. It restores you. It sustains you. Fear has to flee in his presence. And there's an invitation... from Jesus he says come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light
Hebrews says, let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest. There's that co- contradiction in terms of kids are crying, we need to close, but let me just finish with this. There is a contradiction in that. You know, there's an effort in coming into the rest of God. I believe as a church, God is calling us into a deeper place with him that we can be more effective to share the love of God and give his hope for a world that lives in hopelessness. Amen? Amen. I think we need to respond. Let's stand together and we'll pray. If you're the shrub... I want to pray for you. Put your hand on your heart. Lord Jesus, I don't want to be a shrub anymore in a dry, arid place. I don't want to be a person that constantly lives in dry, arid places. Lord, I want to know what it is to be a tree planted by streams. Well, I know what it is to come into those green pastures, to walk beside still waters. I want to be at rest. I want to hear your voice. So I pray that you'll help me. I recommit my life to you. I trust you to lead me into these green pastures. If you're the person, the legalist, Here's the prayer for you. I renounce the lie that I am unworthy. I renounce the lie that I am insignificant. I renounce the lie that you are far from me. From this day forward, I renounce the lies that I'm no good, that I'm flawed material. I am a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm a child of the living God. And I choose to come to my Father. If you've got regrets, Father, I bring these regrets to you. I am truly sorry for them. But I'm done with these regrets now. I'll leave them at the foot of the cross.
where you paid the price. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. And I receive in return robes of righteousness, the ring on my finger, the shoes on my feet that declare that I am a daughter of God, a son of God. And Father, as a church, we pray. I want to pray, Lord, that busyness will not get in the way of being with you. It's not enough to come to church on a Sunday. You cannot get your tanks filled up just on a Sunday. Father, we ask you to help us by your Spirit to come daily into your presence. To be filled again for your word to speak to us. To be restored in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.